The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a movie question. Why am I so bothered that Kevin leaves his mac and cheese uneaten in Home Alone? I'm always bothered by food being left uneaten. I really will stuff myself sometimes because I'm like, this is so effed up to that dead cow. Cue the music. Yeah, buddy. That's right, yeah, I don't like food uneaten. I'm Captain Planet. I can't be Captain Planet if I'm not worried about the planet, all right? The cow is dead. The cow The is... least you can do is eat it. That, right, thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate your logic. What's up, everybody? Chris Sims unbuttoned. It's a big one. The NFL season, the hundredth one, is in the books. We had, a, I mean, an awesome last day. Not a whole lot of meaningful games, but the games that were meaningful, They've kind of delivered, whether it was last yeah. night, Sunday night football extravaganza, Seahawks 49ers, that was great. I mean, come on. Who the fuck would have called the Dolphins beating the Patriots in New England? Not you, not me, nobody, no. okay? Maybe some Patriots fans here over the last couple of weeks because they've been jaded by uh, Yeah, well, they're a, little, they're a little scared, but I don't think anybody saw that happening. No. And uh, we'll hit it on it all. we got a few coaching changes. Uh, I did uh, a little deep dive into a few plays and situations throughout. We did a long PFT show today, and I didn't get to do my normal deep dive into film. So, But we're going to hit all the major things, yep. the coaching changes. I know you got um, a pop quiz for me later on, which I promise I haven't looked at, at, at all. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. I've actually seen the questions right now, yeah, so well, that'll be we, good. Yeah, we get to the end of the year, and there are some surprising things. you got 17 games, right? Yeah. And, there, and there are some things that, you know, some teams trended better at the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year. So numbers do lie sometimes, but it's still kind of eye-opening to see where some of these teams ended up, and, and they're not all in places that we would have guessed three months ago no so, yeah no, so that's definitely the pop not quiz area you're right uh we'll do a little wild card round first uh first look right and wild um, card games yep i'm pumped about that um, my first thought right away is i'm just so happy as a football fan because i think the 12 best teams are in the playoffs i think the six best teams in the nfc and the six best teams in the afc are in okay. which always means better viewing more fun and, of course, I'm always rooting for the best final eight, best final four, mm -hmm. best final two for viewing purposes. I just want to see it that way. So uh, that's all in play right now. And um, let's get to it. That, you got anything else you want to say? I was going to challenge you on the best yeah. 12 teams. Yeah, go ahead. It. Challenge me. How no, dare you challenge I, it's me? It's very difficult to do that. I mean, maybe the Steelers. Right. No, but not after what we've seen the last two weeks, right? They're offensively they challenged. They had been. Yep. They would have been there. Yep. But no. Uh, yeah. Colts, no. No. Started out the year. The, the Rams like better that. than the Vikings. Maybe that's the only one. Like, Florio brought that up. Like, maybe the Rams are better than the Vikings. See, I'm high on the Vikings, so I don't think so. Yeah. I, I like the Vikings. Yeah, I'm not. You're high on whatever else you're drinking over there, your rock star drink, I all right? I give it up. 
Although I'm new gonna, year, new me. New, so maybe. Oh, I like that. I think you should, if you do, if you, so here, you can bring your like bad can on the set. Yeah. If you wear that like that, so I I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a big giant 49ers fist. A Hulk, a Hulk 49ers fist. And, and Annie told me she was like, if you drink it out of that, Chris will respect. it. I will. I respect it. Yep. And that's what I, I really think that's what might happen if you drink too many of those things. Your <laughs> get hands will get swollen and red. red swollen uh, I'm not sure, but all right, so I'll let's hit it. it. Where do you want to start? You, you so, lead me there, Slugger. So let's start with uh, week 17. Yeah. So let's go week 17. Week 17, huh? Week 17, the final week. <laughs> um, let's go to week 13. Yeah, I was going to say, where else <laughs> the fuck are we going to start, <laughs> Ahmed? Uh, Could have gone playoff preview, but I, let's just first look at what happened yeah. um, last week. And I think we do start with the 49ers-Seahawks game. Which I think you can make an argument that was the best game of the season. The last up game there. was was yeah. the best game, and it didn't necessarily look like it was going to be in the first half, right? Because the Seahawks, I mean, they were an underdog. Didn't at show home. up at first, right? They didn't, and they looked slow. I think they looked yeah. offensively like they just weren't going to have enough firepower at all. I mean, they're, they're relying on Marshawn Lynch and and Turbin and and, and, and Russell Wilson sometimes and I Russell mean, that's Wilson, all yeah. there is to it and then the 49ers have these great game plan offensive plays where you look at that game last night Ahmed I know you're watching you like yeah. the 49ers I mean think about how many guys how many times you know Kyle Shanahan designed a play to where either the receivers wide open or holy cow the running back is 10 yards downfield and nobody's yes. touched him yet I mean that to me is what great coaching is. Shanahan takes the pressure off the players at times to where, you know, they get in space and then all of a sudden they can continue to apply pressure. But to your point, you know, they kicked field goals early on and didn't score touchdowns and let the Seattle Seahawks hang around. And I think we'll, we'll talk about what the 49ers did well because they did a lot of things really well in this game. But I think first and foremost, I do want to – Boy, Seattle, with all the injuries they've had. Yeah, they're and, amazing and this we way. Heat, we heat praise on Russell Wilson all mm -hmm. the time, and you do as well. Yep. But, man, he really does it. I mean, he really is the guy that if they did not have him, with the injuries they have, at no. the end of the year, without yeah. without him, legitimately could be a five-win team. Uh, I, I agree. You know, the, the one thing I'll say about the Seahawks, they always fight and compete and hit hard, and that's Pete Carroll and all that. But I just watched the second half of that football game and yep. going like, huh, I wonder if Russell Wilson or the Seahawks cracked the code of what San Francisco was doing and found and no, not really. Okay. No, they didn't. You know, did they have a little bit better feel of maybe how the 49ers were attacking them? Sure. But at the end of the day, really what happened in the second half is Russell Wilson just started being Russell Wilson. You know, he started moving around in the pocket, made a crazy – the first touchdown pass, come on. I mean, running around in the pocket, running up into the pocket, then throwing a 25-yard laser in the back of the end zone to a guy who was pretty tightly covered. I mean, that's really all I chalk it up to. It's not great run game like you're saying. They got injuries, all that. I don't watch the Seahawks and go, ooh, wow. I mean, they are really doing some awesome stuff in the pass game. No, they don't. They're very basic. And it's on Russell Wilson and their players to make the plays. And, yeah, I mean, that's really all it came down to. And they should have won. They, uh, they honestly should have won sure. this game because they have the ball first and goal from the one-yard line with enough time. And then they uh, unthinkably get the delay of game penalty, which I really haven't heard yet a good explanation for how that There's happened. no explanation for that. There's none. I don't know. They saw Jermaine and Fetty down. Like, you and I talked about this a few minutes ago because I haven't heard Pete Carroll's explanation yet either. But Jermaine and Fetty's down. He runs up the line of scrimmage, okay? You know, at that point, when you see that he's 25 yards down the, down the field, you know, at some point you, you would think the backup tackle is right there by the coach. Like, okay, I got to go in. You know, the coaches are, hey, you know, whoever you are, you got to go in. Right. They snap, you know, they snap the ball. They spike it. And 
It's like, I, you know, I, I don't know what they did. They, it's like they didn't know what to do well, exactly I, in the situation. Well, I, th I think I know what happened because you, you take a deep breath, right? You take a deep breath and you say, okay, we, we, we spiked it, we stopped the clock, boom, here we are. Okay, everyone relax for a second. And as a quarterback, sometimes you think that's a timeout. Well, that seems like they all thought it was a timeout. Well, I, I, I guess so. I, you're right. I don't know. It just either way, it was they were poorly treating planned. It as though they called the timeout, and it wasn't the right way. And they took their time after they spiked the ball. And to me, what's more even more crazy is George Fant never even came out of the game. Yeah. So he continued to play. Uh, and I just went back to double check that because I was like, I'm pretty sure he was still in there. Let me just double check that one more time. Right. But um, yeah, obviously weren't totally prepared to get the first down and what they were going to do after that in the sequence of events. Spike the ball, get the penalty. You're right. Their chances of scoring from the one yard line are far greater. There's more yeah. playbook available at the one yard line than there is at the five. You know what they could have done? Six. They could have thrown a slant. But they just got to keep it away from Malcolm Butler. But that's the only pro they could have done that from the one yard line. Yeah, but. right. Yes. So okay, so the forty. So they they should have scored. I, I think they should have. Obvious. I think they would have scored if they don't get that delayed game penalty. But they did. They got yeah. the delayed game penalty, yeah. and they still had plenty of opportunities to score there. Right. They had uh, how many was it? Like eight eight plays from the fifteen. I think. They just well, yeah. When you get finally get in there, yes, right. yes, they so, had plenty of them. I mean, it was a great play on fourth and ten. I mean, really. Again, to back to the point here, the Seattle Seahawks really don't even do anything. It's an empty four. I'll just paint the picture for yeah. you. It's three receivers to the right, two receivers to the left. The two receivers on the left just run straight go routes. All right, so there, there it is. Line straight, line straight. The three receivers on the right, the two inside guys get like two yards in the end zone and stop and turn. The outside guy goes into the deep corner of the end zone and stops and turn. Nobody's open. Russell Wilson scrambles to the right to, like you're saying, here's Russell Wilson again to save the day. Yep. And he makes a throw on the run and puts it in the perfect spot to where the guy gets the first down by a yard and leaves them with a first and one at the goal, at the goal line. And then, of course, they spike the ball and get the penalty and all of that. So what did the 49ers do at the end of the game to right. keep them out of the end zone? The 49ers did nothing special. They played four down defensive linemen, two linebackers. They're in nickel defense. They played the same exact defense the last three plays of the game. Now, okay, so the first play is DK Metcalf running into the 49ers. Uh, he throws a ball into the left corner of the end zone. Yep. DK Metcalf runs into one of the 49ers guys who's covering the guy who ran the slant route coming underneath DK Metcalf. The next play, third down, right, is now the Jacob Hollister pass interference. Did he initiate the contact either he, he way? He definitely initiated the contact. He, he definitely initiated it, no doubt about it. I mean, that, that's commonplace route running. Now, where I would challenge that conversation, though, is, you know, okay, he initiated the contact, certainly. Did he do it egregiously where he just threw hands out and was like, drive you out of the way? No. He kind of did it with his body and ran into him and then mm -hmm. tried to lean out. The 49ers, you know, listen, I think they dodged a bullet here. This, that, to me, was pass interference. Yeah. I, I know I'm not making the call, and I'm not saying I know everything about football, but, you know, when, when a guy is holding the arm of the receiver with one arm and then the other arm is around the guy's shoulder, yes, that's pass interference to me. And to me, the problem is the NFL with the opening Pandora's box to the whole this whole replay review, you know, they just open themselves up for criticism. Now everybody looks at it. Guys like me, I go, that's fucking pass interference. I don't know what else to say, but we don't even talk about it. It doesn't even get reviewed right. because it's like, whoa, that's too big and too close. We don't want to deal with that in this situation. Yes. Let's just move on and act like it didn't happen. Sure. Oh, wait, it did happen. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I thought that was shaky. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I understand what you're saying. 
And I'm usually I pro defense. I, in these. I, yeah, no, I, I probably was pass interference, but I can see how they can look at it and say, okay, the offensive player initiated the contact. Yeah, right. And, yeah, Fred Warner, who was the who yes, was starting, right. got a little handsy after that. Right. But he was engaged with the receiver after the receiver ran into him. And so you, you chalk it up as it wasn't called on the field, could have been called on the field. Right. And if it was, it's not like they're going to reverse it and say it's not pass interference. Yeah. But, you know, I think at the end of the game, let them play unless it's super. I egregious. think that's some the, people say it was egregious, but I'm I'm okay with letting them. That's play. That's the point the too. I'm I'm with you there. I'm more for let them play than over officiate. And you know, I'll go back to my new favorite phrase: is rubbing is racing. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. you know. I, I know you've never seen that movie. Okay. Tropic Thunder. Not Tropic Thunder. You heard me say that today. <laughs> Days of Thunder. Which I would have thought, okay, uh, that it was. Sounds Thunder. good. Yes, I know, because you know nothing about movies. But Days of Thunder, rubbing is racing. A little contact with receivers and DBs or tight ends and linebackers as part of football. But I do think it kind of flirted with the egregious, that was clearly pass interference thing there. But either way, it didn't happen. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So then the next the next play comes, and, you know, the the let me say this. The Seahawks called – the right play to throw to Jacob Hollister in this play. All right, so, so again, to paint the picture one more time here. So you've said that the 49ers played the same coverage. All three, the plays. Last three plays. All three plays, the same thing. Basically, like, cover four, where cover four and then the two middle linebackers, whoever's on the inside, are going to kind of carry them up the field. And cover four means just, you know, one sa the two safeties got their quarters of the field. The corners got their quarters of the field. Now, where it changes, and this is where I don't want to get too football-y, and I'm going to do something on social media on Instagram here a little bit after this to draw this play up and show it. But the first two plays, they ran empty formations, okay? And, uh, of course, nothing came of it. We saw the incompletion of Metcalf, the pass interference maybe to Hollister. Then it became, okay, here it is, fourth down. They didn't get into an empty formation. The two plays before that, they were in an empty formation with three to the left, two to the right. This time, they brought the back into the backfield. And really, really what screwed the Seahawks more than anything here, and this is where you're going to, you've always heard me preach, like this is where Kyle Shanahan and Sean Payton and Josh McDaniels set themselves apart, I think, from the rest of the NFL, is they understand the rules of defenses. And they understand with certain route combinations, ooh, this guy's rule changes, or this does this, or this does that, whatever it may be. To me, this was an instance of, Seattle called a play that works, but they didn't really understand the rules of the defense. And they have a back in the backfield, okay, and they have DK Metcalf on the right. How do I want to explain this? So I just told you it was quarters coverage, right? Yeah. Okay, so quarters coverage. But in this type of coverage here, and I'm going to do my best to explain it. So on the right side here, here's Russell Wilson. He's in the shotgun. You're Travis Homer. DK Metcalf is out there. You run right into the flat, right? You ran right into the flat. Okay, mm -hmm. you're in the flat. DK Metcalf ran like a deep in-cut in the back of the end zone. So this quarter's coverage where we all, all four guys have their quarter of the field, it changes when they see the number two receiver because Metcalf is number one outside. You're number two because you're the next guy in, right? right? It changes almost to cover two. Richard Sherman takes you into the flat now, okay, which now puts the safety – uh, uh, Ward on DK Metcalf, who's going to run the in-cut right into him. Now, 57 Greenlaw has nothing to worry about over there. He goes, okay, Richard Sherman's got that guy out there. Mm. Whoa, Jimmy Ward's got the guy that just ran vertical because he's going to run right into Jimmy Ward. And what that combination allowed him to do was go, 
I have nothing to worry about. Let me look back across the formation. And he looked just in time to see Hollister coming at him. Right? It's Hollister, right? Yeah. Hollister coming at him, and he's able to react just quickly enough to make the hit. If the Seahawks ran an empty formation like they did the two previous plays and ran the combination that they ran on second and third down after the spike slash delay a game, this would have been more open because on the mm. plays they ran before this, Greenlaw had to – he had responsibilities. He had to be there for if that sure. can, if that Did that make sense? Did I explain that the right way, you think? It, it, free, it freed up uh, him, Dre. It freed up him, yeah, Greenlaw. To make that To, make to that basically play. go, oh, wait, I have nothing to worry about here to where I'm just saying I think if the Seahawks had a little better understanding of the rules yep. of the coverage and things like that, you wouldn't do those route combinations, which would lead to an easier touchdown for Hollister You to think score. Hollister was one of the top – uh, what, the idea? I think he them, was the, the only idea. I think this is play is for him. This is what we would call wide jerk in the West Coast offense okay. because he basically has like a he, – he knows I'm oh I'm man-to-man -man on this linebacker and I'm going to kind of attack him and give him a little jiggle wiggle and then just cross his face and go yeah. across the field. And, you know, in the perfect world, they're hoping Greenlaw is taken away by somebody over there Right. So where now he's going to be able to catch the ball and keep running. Instead, he catches the ball, and as soon as he tucks it, it's bam, and Greenlaw makes a great hit. Well, that's the thing, too, is that you still have Phenomenal. to make the play. Yes. Right? And, right. and he was there, but they still need to stop him immediately. Right. And they did that. They did that. And it so was he, a phenomenal tackle. Yep. Um, okay. so and he, very similar to what we saw Julio Jones score on two weeks ago when the Falcons upset the 49ers. It was almost a carbon copy. It was very similar. A little different coverage, a little different route combination. But either way, I do think that play helped the 49ers in this situation for some of the underneath coverage to look for things like that and be aware of, ooh, we're susceptible in this area. And once my responsibility is not there, I can get back to over there and try to help it. Did your opinion change at all of the 49ers or the Seahawks in this game? Um, well, the, I just – no. The Seahawks, it does, definitely does not change my thoughts on the Seahawks. The Seahawks, they are kind of that right there. It's going to be their defense is going to let up plays. And it's just going to be about can Russell Wilson step on the gas at the right times and right situations and push the envelope and make plays that way. That's really what they are. I don't know what any other way to say it. They can't dominate the line of scrimmage in the run game right now, nor are the runners they have good enough to really capitalize on what's there to be at. I know everybody wants Marshawn, and, yeah, he had two or three good runs. You know, he looked good. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, it was so amazing. It's like he never lost a step. No, he looked a step slower than he did last year. Did you think he was more feast mode than beast mode? Feast mode, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure. I, I mean, I really was impressed, but the most impressive thing he did all night was jump from the two-and-a-half-yard yeah, line. And the vertical up. he got for totally. the size of the human being he is and everything – Really cool. I'm a big Beast Mode fan. I'm not trying to hate. I'm just trying to be realistic here. Um, the 49ers, my only thing with the 49ers is putting teams away. This is where, to me, like Jimmy Garoppolo is really good, all right? Really good. But this is where he's not Deshaun Watson or Mahomes or some of the what I call the most elite quarterbacks in football because when you get inside the 20, Aaron Rodgers, that group – they're almost unstoppable inside the red zone. And Garoppolo mm -hmm. is just not the type of guy that's going to consistently make plays with his great physical ability. If Shanahan dials up the right play and does all that, yeah. he'll strike and make the right read and make the proper He's throw. He's looked pretty sharp the last oh, few weeks. Oh, don't worry. Um, don't get me wrong. I yeah. know it's sharp. I, I'm holding him to a different level right now. Yeah. And to me, that's the one – the 49ers offense, my only issue would be maybe red zone offense because if they can't just – Kyle can't design something great – 
Yeah. You know, he's not that type of quarterback to throw a laser or scramble around and make some crazy play. And then, to me, the defense, again, and you've heard me say it, it's just a little too simple. It's a little too predictable. And it can work against, you know, some of the not great offenses in football. Not going to face it. But I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure it's going to get away with it another time around against the Saints uh, or somebody like that. That's what would scare me. Before we put a bow in this game, yeah. you loved the all-whites. Love the, the all-whites. I think we have some photos of some of the, uh, the 49ers. 1994 Niners uniforms. So they right were kind of like th- they were throwbacks a little bit. But yeah. You're, is that like your favorite 49er look, the all-white? All-whites. And I have been, and Shanahan will tell you this, I think I said it when I interviewed him on the podcast at the Combine. Yeah, First of all, Joey Bosa, yeah, looks really good with a little dash of blood on his right quad. Yep. Very nice for him to and believe like that little, match and uniform some midriff, colors. And he's showing some midriff, Dude, too. the fucking guy is a beast. <laughs> I don't know what to say, but I'm just going to say this, and I, and I really did not expect to say this. He's one of the best defensive players in football already. Wow. He really is. He's everywhere. He's a difference maker. He fucks plays up. He makes plays himself. He does everything. He is a huge part of their football team. But I love it. And I've been asking Shanahan to wear the white cleats since he mm. took the job. I've been constantly on him. Like, can we wear white cleats? I mean, the, the organization only won five Super Bowls in white cleats. What Switch to say? black, you haven't won shit. Say? What does he say? And he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. I'll have to talk to Jed. Well, this year they've been wearing white cleats. I'm just saying, San Fran. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's it a might good look. be me. I might be the reason you're 13 and three and have the first round by all Taking the, all the credit. <laughs> Fuck Kyle, John Lynch. Fuck them all. It's all, all me. the white cleats. Uh, 49ers are good. They're both. Fuck going you to the... too, man in the blue sweater. Oh, here we go. Now, <laughs> not really. You know him? No, yeah. oh, I've never even met. That's him. the first time you've talked first to time him. First time I met him, but I knew he was a didn't know what the hell was going he just on. Told him F- he will never walk through again. That is the last <laughs> time he'll ever walk past us. Uh, so 49ers Seahawks are going to the playoffs. Uh, 49ers get the first round by, so that was huge. Seahawks huge. do not. Saints do not. They were hoping for pass interference. The referees once again affect the Saints uh, in the postseason. It just happens it's, every it's year. It's unbelievable. I thought the first thing I thought of when that game was over was the Saints. <laughs> yeah, I went Sean like Payton Sean Payton was sitting at home on his whiskey. couch, right, and like threw the bottle of beer against the wall. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, no, it happened again. Yeah, right. All right. So good, good game there. Yeah. The the Packers win Woo! was very underwhelming. Yes. They were taking on my Detroit Lions, who have the number three pick in the draft. You can't have it all. You got your 49ers win. You can't get a Lions win, all right? No, ever. Can't ever get a Lions win. Um, But it was a really poor performance from uh, the Packers for most of this game. I would argue for the whole game. Yeah. They did come through at the end. Uh, It wasn't necessarily Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones made a lot of that uh, last play to set him up uh, the Mason Crosby field goal. So, you know, Rodgers, they were able to get the win, but, boy, they, they go in as uh, a bye team with the number two seed yeah. right, in the NFC. So they do get the bye, but they do not look overwhelming. Around. Give them all the credit in the world. I know. It's very I, tough I to know. win 13 games No, in no the doubt. NFL. It's, it's, it's amazing here. But I'm First year head coach. You're, you're on. I hear you. It's like, it's like the most unimpressive number two seed I, I can remember in mm. recent history. And I don't mean that. I do. I respect Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin and everything they've done. And, of course, you know Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player ever. I mean, I, I love Green Bay, but if I'm just going to sit here and keep it real, yeah, they're one of the worst two seeds I've ever seen. They really are. And they were really fortunate to play a really undermanned Detroit team. I mean, Darius Slay got hurt. Of course, there's no Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, no Marvin Jones. I mean, the team you're playing, it's never, never really a good thing when your leading passer is also your second leading receiver. Yeah. I mean, David Blau was the second leading receiver in yards yesterday, okay? <laughs> yeah. That's 
That's <laughs> that, that, and that tells you it all too. Yeah. I mean, they ran out of tricks. They got up 17 to three, and it's like, okay, I I emptied out the cupboard on all of my trick plays here. Yeah. Now our normal offense is just not going to get it fucking that, done. That was a win. That was a win for Detroit. It was like we're up 17 to three. We were <laughs> Let's call it quits. If nobody expected game, that. No one can ever take away right. the fact that we were at one point up 17 to three. And uh, Aaron Rodgers. I've so, never seen him play so poor. So, and, and that's ever. That was, I have that was never the worst seen, you've seen him play for an entire game or for because sometimes you see yeah. him come out the first half and it's like okay that doesn't right. seem like him second half starts to be like oh, there we go there's I, Aaron Rodgers this I is would the say worst full game you've ever seen from Aaron Rodgers it's up there yeah because even when he got it going I still feel like there was a few plays here and there where I went damn that's just not Aaron Rodgers it's usually right on the money or yeah they got it going you got the first down but the play before you had a guy wide open for like a 60 yard gain and you underthrew it so. Definitely the worst half I've ever seen them play. Yeah. You're right. Worst game ever. And I know people are going to go, well, what about the 49ers game this year? Or that game he had back in 2015 when the Broncos held him to 78 yards. I don't look at that as Aaron Rodgers. See, to me, that's their team got overwhelmed. And Aaron Rodgers is not God, so he's not going to overcome everything. This was, there was plays there to be had. You were watching. There was receivers open. There was like, Oh gosh, Aaron Rodgers dropped back. He's uncorking it. This is gonna watch out. What incomplete? What? What right. incomplete again? Aaron Jones open in the end zone. Incomplete again. My biggest critique, and anybody who's listened to the podcast over the last month, Rodgers trying to be a little too perfect, trying to place balls to hit the bullseye, placing it all the time. You have to drive balls through the target. Does that make sense? Sure. Like if I want to hit your chest as a quarterback, Throw a quarterback doesn't try to go. Oh, I'm gonna try to. Lay it in there perfect to hit you mm -hmm. between the chest. No, like a quarterback goes, I'm going to throw it right through your chest. I'm just going to throw it through you, and it's your job to put your hands up to stop that from happening. Mm -hmm. That's what you do as a quarterback. You throw through targets occasionally when it's a fade route, right? And I'm, like, covering you like this, and you're running down the sideline. That's when you, like, want to go boom and sure. land it on the bullseye, right? But if you're running a curl route, a post route, anything like that, you got to throw it through the target. And to me, he's just trying to be too careful. I think he does understand that it, interceptions, they need to play a certain way to win games. Well, but He threw no interceptions this year, basically. What did he end up at with? Three, I think. Three I think yesterday was his third for the whole year, right. I think he ended up with 28 and three, somewhere in that range. I'm not totally 100% sure about that, but I'm going to say it's somewhere in there. Here, I'll tell you right now. Let's see. Uh, Rodgers was 26 and four, so that was his fourth yesterday. Got it. Um, but, yes. Either way, pitiful. They were fortunate they were playing a not real good Detroit Lions football team, and then he caught fire and really made some great throws at the end of the football game, and somehow they pulled it off. So this is what shocked me more than anything, yeah. is that I was hearing you talk about potential Super Bowl matchups, and yeah. you were worried. You were worried that your favorite player of all time, I know. Aaron Rodgers, Can you believe I'm saying that? may get his team to the Super Bowl and right. ruin the Super Bowl. Yeah. You're worried that your favorite player of all time might be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm, I am. I really am. I'm worried for his sake and for my viewing sake. I mean, for, for both things. Like, again, I think home field or home field, a first round bye, it was yeah. nobody more important to Green Bay. There was no way Green Bay was going to win three games in a row to go to the Super Bowl and two of them being on the road against the NFC elite. Now they have There's a no chance. Way. Now they do have a chance. And yeah, like I'm worried that somehow they escaped not having to play the 49ers in the NFC championship game. And like if they got Seattle at home and, you know, and, the, you know, so if they beat yeah. the Saints somehow in the divisional round and then got Seattle or somebody else at home or just somehow got to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm worried about them having to play the Baltimore Ravens specifically and getting steamrolled. 
That is not a good matchup. They could get blown out by them. I'm just telling you right now, as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, I'm rooting for the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Saints and the 49ers to play each other because then we're guaranteed of a great Super Bowl, no any matter what that Any combination is. of those teams. Any combination, we're going to see a thriller. Like, it's going to be a great game. Well, you know who it's going to be. It's going to be the Eagles in there versus, like, uh, the Bills or something like that. So, are you done with that? I'm we, done. We, yeah, okay. yeah, we're done. Yeah. Let's go to the Eagles. Yeah. Because they won uh, the worst division in football. Yeah. The NFC East. Yep. They didn't necessarily do it in, in convincing fashion, although we give them a lot of credit. They pulled away late, and they did it with a lot of yeah. injured guy, reserve guys, practice squad, Boston Scott. Boston Scott. Yeah, witness protection program is what Matt Casey says. They really, we really did. We had to go and say, can you give up your, uh, your identity now? And they go, oh, yes, to play for the Eagles. I'll it's do amazing. That. It's amazing. I literally was pulling out my computer watching the game yesterday because we're getting dressed and we're like kind of on the set and stuff. And I'm like, wait, who, who's this guy? Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't, I don't remember this guy. I gotta look him up. I mean, that's to where they've gotten at the wide receiver position. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it speaks to Carson Wentz once again. Well, I got a I got a number on that. Yeah, and I saw this pop up. Yeah. first quarterback of all time. Right. To have over four thousand yards passing in a season without having one single receiver over five hundred. I heard somebody say that yesterday. That is amazing. And to me, it, it speaks to what you're talking about with Carson Wentz. Yes, it speaks to he is a guy, and what you just heard me talk about with like franchise quarterbacks or. Yesterday is another perfect example of just the greatness of Carson Wentz. Oh, team's playing okay, but not great. Hey, don't worry, guys. I'll keep us in the game. I'll keep answering. And then, oh, finally, oh, oh Malcolm Jenkins makes a strip sack fumble and Fletcher Cox, and somebody else made a play. And now it's a blowout, right? I mean, that, that, that to me is what a franchise quarterback does. Keeps you in the game or just keeps you one step ahead constantly. Hey, we're not at our best, but don't worry, guys. I got you. I'll make plays when we need it and all that kind of stuff. It was unbelievable. He has been putting on a show as a thrower the last four or five weeks of the NFL season. Really is. I mean, it's, it's one high-level throw after another. More 10- and 15-yard great throws one after another to people who are very rarely open, and he just puts it on the money, throwing the ball through the bullseye like I'm talking about. Like, yep. just, just amazing, and I can't speak enough to that, and I'm, I'm really happy for the guy. Because, I mean, it's been a, it was rough. You, know, you imagine sitting on the sidelines watching another guy win a Super Bowl with your team when you were really the best player on the team all year. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, you come back in and things go good. But then the team gets banged up and they start not playing well. Everyone blames you. The team gets healthy. You get hurt. Nick Foles gets to come in and, man, everything looks good again. Oh, yeah. What? Nick Foles, Nick Foles. So this is great for him to kind of get that payback on everybody. It is, but... I he needs some success in the playoffs, right, to really get that. Probably. That label I think it's opened up eyes nonetheless. Sure, for yes, sure. Yes. Do you think they have a chance? Do in, you think they have a chance? Yeah, I think they can beat the, the Seahawks. Yes. And I'm with you. I do too. I'm not saying I'm picking that yet, mm -hmm. but there's two things there I look at where it's at home in Philly. You got a good chance of it being good old January Northeast weather. It's on a grass field. I think that, that does not help Seattle. Seattle's probably the faster team, yeah. so that slows them down. And then the other thing I say just to this, uh, Ahmed, is you've heard me say Seattle's like San Francisco or some of the other defenses. They only play two or three defenses. It's too predictable. The Eagles are more game plan specific. That's where I give them another real advantage here in this matchup that really maybe closes the gap a little where I go, okay, yeah, maybe the Seahawks are a little bit better, but – 
like Jim Schwartz will do some stuff in this game on defense that Seattle's not going to be prepared for it. They'll, he'll mm -hmm. take a chance. I'm going to double this guy, or I'm going to do this crazy zone coverage on a third down because I think it takes away this and that for you, whatever it may be. Those are things I do look at, and, you know, Philly's kind of feeding off this ugly style of football and winning games right now. I give him one win, maybe. I think it's going to be a high school no game. No doubt. In that one one win, maybe. Exactly right. Now, Don't wait, wait. Don't instill a lot of confidence here. Yeah, one win, maybe. Oh. I, maybe well, wait, two. Hold on. Wait a second. Maybe what? two. Why do you say that? Because they've already beat Green Bay in Green Bay, and we no, just talked about Green Bay not right. being that great. So what's to say that they can't go up to Green Bay and oh. slow down Aaron Rodgers with really, who is it, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. That's all it is. Uh, you know, that's that's all they got. They got no other – well, you know, hopefully Liz mm -hmm. uh, Lazard can, can yeah. come up here. But I think that's another matchup that, yeah, I'd be a little scared for Green Bay. Mm. Yeah, so maybe two. And but maybe it, one and, and done. It, well, yeah. I mean, it could be anything. It, it could. could be anything there. So the, the New England Patriots, they almost – I mean, there's going to be a lot of people betting. Oh, no, they wouldn't. I'm wrong anyways. Why? They wouldn't play them? Oh, well, I guess they could go there. All the they could go there. Well, the 49ers are going to get the, the lowest game. remaining seed. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It'd have to shake out that way for them as the five. They'd have to, so they'd Vikings, have to hope the Vikings beat the Saints. The Vikings would have to beat the Saints right. for that to happen. More than like, yeah. Which, I, you know, I'm the biggest uh, Vikings fan out there outside of are. Mike Florio. So you got Vikings, Saints. Yep. So you got the six and the three there. Yeah. So if the Vikings win, they go to play uh, the San Francisco. Yep. And so that's what they would have to root for because if the Eagles have to go to San Francisco to take on the 49ers, night, you're night. not, you're night, not night. giving them a chance to night, win that night. game. Night night. See you okay. later. Hasta la vista. So final one I want to look at here from yeah. Week 17, and I, and I mentioned it a second ago, is the New England Patriots. They all they had to do to get that first round by for like the 35th year in a row. Yeah was beat the Dolphins, who have come on stronger at yep. the end of the year, certainly not tanking. They, everyone made them <laughs> mad by saying they were tanking, so they had to prove they're not tanking. Right. Maybe to their own detriment, because uh, <laughs> Burrow would be a nice quarterback to have, although Fitzpatrick <laughs> has been pretty good for them this season. Uh, they stunned the, the Patriots, and it was even a game where it started to look like that New England scoring late was like, okay, here you go. Right. Here's where it all comes apart for the, the Dolphins right. and where New England squeaks it out. Not convincingly, but they do get a win. And it couldn't even hold on. That, that defense for the New England Patriots could not stop Fitzmagic, uh, Fitzmagic, and they could not stop Devontae Parker. No, they could not. Which was very interesting against Stephon Gilmore, who last week at this time you said – was the defensive player of the year. Yes. I wonder if you still feel like that after what happened here in week 17. I do. Okay. I don't, I'm not going to let that just take it away from me. You know, I, there's a lot to unpack about this game. Yes. Um, I think, first of all, just with the Gilmore-Devante Parker matchup, yep. first of all, it's tremendous pressure on Stephon Gilmore. I mean, tremendous. I, I don't know of another defensive player in football that has more pressure on them snap to snap than Stephon Gilmore. I really don't. It's unbelievable what they ask him to do. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. They ask him to guard the number one receiver on the other team, get in his face, no big deal. He's only one of the freakiest athletes on the planet, and cover him all over the field like a cheetah and don't let anybody throw the ball. Oh, okay, coach, no problem. He does it more times than not. You know, th this was just not his best day. And a guy, Devontae Parker, who's gone to another level of play the last he, eight weeks of the season. He really has. I right. think the two most uh, 
you know, emerging wide receivers who did yeah. here in the second half of the yeah. year is Brown, A.J. Brown from Tennessee. No and, doubt. And Devontae Parker. You're right. I think that's you. You hit it. You're right. And then maybe the Debo Samuel is number three that's for the true. 49ers. Yeah. But yep. you're, I think those are the names. I think you're right. They are emerging as, like, superstars right now. And Devontae Parker, you know, the, the Patriots, first off, the Patriots did some things just throughout the normal – just the whole game, they did a few things game plan wise where, you know, I think they knew what the Patriots were going to call and, ooh, let's motion down and get in this stack formation when they're playing cover two and this will put them in the bind in this coverage. So there's that common knowledge, once again, of Brian Flores kind of knowing what the Patriots defense is doing, probably giving that message to Chad O'Shea. You know, even this is talking about during the week. So there was some stuff there. But the biggest thing, yeah, one on one, and the thing I would take away more than anything is just, you know, they got to give Gilmore some plays off. It just can't be like him man-to-man -man every time. And Devontae Parker, his catches, I think seven out of the eight were all against Gilmore. One of them was his cover two zone where he ran like a slant over the middle after Fitzpatrick did a play-action pass. He caught a slant over the middle. That was, I think, the only pass of the game where, you know, Gilmore wasn't responsible for covering Devontae Parker. Sure. All right, so all the other times it was – and what I just want to say, you know, for the Patriots, too, is, you know, they got to give him a break, whether that's help him with a double team every now and then or let him play the number two receiver every now and then and then you double the number one receiver. That's what they used to do a lot with Darrell Revis. He would cover number two, and then they would do their best to kind of do something crazy on the number one receiver. But this is asking a lot of a guy. I just don't know if it's realistic to continue to do this. I mean, A.J. Brown's coming into town this week. Is he going to be able to just sit there and lock A.J. Brown up all game, man-to-man? Yeah. With the way he's catching it and Tannehill's throwing, I would say no. I don't care how mm. good you are. It's really tough to do that. It will be interesting to see if, right. they, if they switch it up and if they, they take some clues from what happened in Week 17. I want to ask you about uh, yeah. the end of the first half here, but before we do that, yeah. I just want to say the best of Week 17 is presented by Verizon, the network that more people rely on. So end of the first half. Yes. Huge Patri moment. Patriots have the ball. Right. With two minutes left, a little over two 140, minutes. 140. Yeah, yeah. the Dolphins have the ball. Dolphins. Yes, yeah. it's third and 10 with like maybe a minute 55 left. Right. They run the ball on third and 10. They're going, we're not going to do anything stupid and let this defense get an interception and give Brady the short field. We want to go into the half. Right, we're right going to go in the half. Are. We're fine. 10-10, that's a win for us right now. So, so you're expecting Bill Belichick and the Patriots to take a timeout. Right there. Definitely. I mean, yes, I would have expected it right 40, there. You have a minute 40. After you get the ball, it's about a minute 30. And that's more than enough time for Tom Brady to take the, the team down the field. You're thinking score, this is – At least getting field goal range. Exactly. You're thinking – I mean, hey, Belichick, this is what they call being Belichick. Or we're going to do the Belichick, which is score right before the half, get the second half kickoff, and then go down and score again. And all of a sudden it's a 14-point swing or a 10-point swing or whatever it may be. That's what the Patriots are famous for, deferring to the second half getting the ball last in the first half, and putting you in a bind that way. But they didn't call timeout, not only after the third down, and even after the third down run by the Dolphins, I thought, oh, maybe he's just saving them from the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. But then they run the ball on first down. No timeout. Run the ball on second down. No timeout. Oh, that's it. They're going on the half. That's it. They didn't care. They were content at 10-10. Now, the question is, why were they content at 10-10? I, listen, I know Brady's got arm issues maybe and the elbows hurt. His elbows definitely hurt him. There's no doubt. You don't throw the ball and then jiggle your arm around every time unless something's bothering you. I've been there before. Yeah. There's got to be some, some sort of tendonitis in his elbow. To me, I think it was more of Belichick went, our defense played good in the first half. 
they only scored three points because remember the Dolphins got their touchdown off of a pick six from Brady. So I think he was just going, you know, I'm not going to let my offense or anything screw this up. Let's just go in 10-10. We'll reassess. I think Brady and the offense will get it going in the second half, and my defense yeah. will continue to dominate. And that changed because the second half, the Dolphins continued to drive the – I mean, didn't continue. They consistently drove the ball in the second half to score points all the time. And New England did move the ball on the offensive side of the ball in the second half too. They did some good things. But I just don't think Bill expected that his defense was going to let up 17 second-half points to Ryan mm -hmm. Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins and be in the situation they were in. Let me throw a conspiracy theory at sure. you. Sure. All right? Because Bill Belichick is a master of the mental game. Yeah. Right? And, and, and knowing how to motivate players right. and, and getting them to execute the game plan. So say this happened. Say that you're at the end of the first half. Right. And Bill Belichick is trying to send the message to the offense and to Tom Brady that, you know what, where you are right now, where you're at, I don't trust you. Right. I don't trust you guys to move the ball down the field in a minute 30. You, you have lost that trust from me, and you need to work to get it back because right now I don't, tr I don't trust you to do it. How much do you think it was, was that as opposed to the fact that, yeah, he really did fear a turnover in that situation or, or blowing what they had at that point with just a tie game? No, I, I think you're, what you're saying is probably part of the equation. I think he probably said, I don't trust my offense. You know, Brady's not great. Offensive line hasn't been great. He doesn't want to strip sack, fumble, anything like that. You know, doesn't want an unlucky interception. And I think he's just going, I don't trust them. And my defense is playing good. And I'm going to play to win this game 20-13 to 13, or 24-13 or something like that. I really think that's what he did. I think he just envisioned it that way, playing out. Yeah. I just don't think he expected in the second half for Fitzpatrick and company, like I said, to consistently make plays in the pass game and move the ball that way to where he went, oh, no, now I, gotta, I didn't realize I was going to have to score 30 to win the game. Right. I don't think he uh, – so I think you're right. I think it's a trust thing and him just kind of looking at the overall picture of the game and thinking from what I've seen in the first half, I don't think they're going to be able to do a lot. And, mm -hmm. of course, he was wrong. He's allowed to be wrong. He's God to the football world. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, but he kind yeah. of – he, and he, who knows? Maybe that's exactly what they this. Maybe that's exactly what they needed to go into the playoffs. Now, they, uh, not that they haven't had their uh, fair share of wake-up calls the last few weeks of the season, but that's a wake-up call. It's definitely a wake-up call. Um, and the, yeah, the Patriots are still dangerous, especially with that defense and Brady. You know that. I mean, their ability to execute is still as good as it gets in football. The Dolphins. The, the one thing I'll say: the offense yep. had an all-out blitz plan. They didn't let like the crazy blitzes from the Patriots like oh, gosh, we don't know where to throw it, or, like, Fitzpatrick was ready for it. Oh, okay, they're bringing more blitzers than blockers. He had somewhere to go with the ball every time, where a lot of teams get, like, caught off guard by that. So that was a big part of the football game. And the Patriots on the offensive side of the ball, there are some things to be encouraged about again. Again, the offensive line was not bad. Mm -hmm. They pass-protected okay. They ran the ball okay. I mean, what would their – they ran the ball for 135 yards. That's a solid day. Sure. You know, I just think they don't they didn't expect the Dolphins to hang up 27 points on them. And of course, the pick six hurt too. You know, the pick six was just unbrady like. He kind of looked to the left side. He had like a crosser and an in cut. It wasn't there. He didn't like it. And he kind of just blindly came back and threw it to Julian Edelman like like he's gonna be open automatically. I don't even really need to look. And he just kind of threw it out there kind of like nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. And Eric Rowe was there and did his job the right way, and it went right into his hands, and he sure. returned it for a touchdown. Your boy Brian Flores was Deep in his low. head. He knew. You he know knew how he thinks, and he counteracted it. So the Dolphins got a, a win to end their season, and that was the best of Week 17 presented by Verizon, the network that more people rely on.
And now we turn the page. Oh, hello, page turner. A lot of, a lot of pages here to turn. Oh, we it's go, a wild card. We go to the wild card. First glance, speed round. So let's take a look at the brackets first. We saw the NFC. Let's take a look again here. Well, we'll start with the AFC, actually. And in the wild card games, we got the 5 4, that's Buffalo and the Texans. And then we have the 6 3, that is Tennessee traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. And then over in the NFC, 5 4 is the Seahawks. Hawks traveling to Philadelphia. You can see that on NBC 440 Eastern. And the 6 3 is Vikings traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. That is the Sunday early game. And so that is the four, and this is our speed round. You ready? I'm ready. Buckle up. I don't know if we have music for the speed round or not. Can you do a little little beat or something? What's the good I don't like that one. Sorry. Okay, I'll stop. All right. Uh, okay. Favorite quarterback matchup of these wild card games? The four games that we have on wild card weekend, what's your favorite quarterback matchup? Yeah. Uh, all right. So it's between the Bills and the Texans or the Seahawks and the Eagles. And I, I'm going to, as much as I love Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, um, you know, I don't think Josh Allen is on the level of the other guys no. quite yet. So I think I'm most excited to see Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz. They are, and two, I think the big thing is there, like they kind of have to carry their teams to yeah. win a football game. Um, you know, and, and not to say that the other game doesn't. I really, yeah, this is a tough one for me, actually. But, I mean, Russell Wilson, clearly one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And I think Carson Wentz is right be, on the outside of the top five looking okay. in. Right? I mean, I'm going to put Lamar... Mahomes, you know, Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, just above, I think, a Carson Wentz, who I'd probably have at six or seven. I haven't done my quarterback list in my mind in a while or anything like that, but I think it's right around there. It's very likely that at the end of that game, whichever team wins it, we're saying that that quarterback. That quarterback made some crazy plays. He won the game yes, for him. Agreed. Yeah, I, I'd agree. agree with that. Yep. Underrated player that everyone is going to realize is really good. So who's an underrated player from one of these teams that you think by the end of Wild Card Week and everyone's going to be like, ah, oh, that guy's actually – one of the stars. Mm, that's a good one there. Okay. Um, I think one of the first guys I would probably think about is the guy you just talked about a few minutes ago, A.J. Brown. I mean, A.J. Yeah. Brown and Ryan Tannehill, that combination has been as deadly as anybody in football the last few weeks. I think he's going to win rookie, Offensive Rookie Player of the Year. Because I, I think it was Josh Jacobs to lose yes, for a right. long time. Right, and A.J. Brown's he made hasn't things interesting. the last few weeks. Yep. And so. Yep. Um, yeah. Let me just think if there's anybody else here. Let me just think. Underrated, underrated player that everyone's going to realize is really good. I don't think there's the Eagles. There's anybody there. The Seahawks, no. Um, Bills and Texans. No, I think I think I feel pretty good with with that right there. Yeah. I, I think I think AJ Brown is is probably the guy I would say watch out for uh, this weekend. He's going to get some one on one opportunities and get some chances to make big plays overrated player that everyone is going to realize is not very good. So who's the guy that's going to come into this game, people are going to think is going to throw up huge numbers, maybe propel their team to victory, and then disappoint? Yeah, well, yeah, the, 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 the tough Ooh, ones about these, gosh. speed round, damn it. These are the ones I wish I would have known prior, just so I could have been a little quicker here. Is that a message to our producer? Yeah, I mean, right what, an, what an asshole he is. What an <laughs> asshole. Um, gosh, you know, I definitely am not high on Kirk Cousins right now from what I have saw in that Green Bay game. That, but I'm just trying to think here. Over I think that's the obvious one. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he might step up. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he's Tom capable Brady? of stepping Tom up. Tom Brady. No, I mean Brady. I feel like people are no right now. Like, hey, it's still good, but it's not great. He's not yeah. the Tom Brady we once knew. 
Um, hold on a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm got to go through these names and. What about on the defensive side? Yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm. That's where my mind is really at right now. Is the defensive side of the ball. And I just don't know. I mean, the Seahawks' corners are not good, so I don't look at them as being overrated. Mm. Um, the Titans, the Bills, the Texans, I don't know if there's anybody there right now. You know, the one guy I always – well, that's – Matt Casey got in my – I mean, Xavier Rhodes, but I feel like people are starting to know that too. Um, I even would go to Anthony Barr a little bit in Minnesota as well. He's another guy. It's you know being paid like one of the best linebackers in football, but you know, to me does not have enough of a presence on the field for what he's being paid for on a on a on a weekly basis. There, right. uh, I, I guess those are the guys that jump out to me more than anybody. But I don't know if there's anybody more than that. Hmm. I know there's going to be somebody that comes to my head later on here, and I'm going to go. Oh, I should have said him. But. I should have crushed that guy in the pod. I think he's overrated. Oh, why didn't I say his name? No, that's okay. You saved him. Uh, okay. Kyle Rudolph would be another one I'd throw in that oh, group. Oh, what? Well, I, I why? Not to say it hasn't been a really good career. People all of a sudden, though, like, I watch games and people are like, Kirk Cousins has weapons galore. And I want to be like, a one-legged feeling, Stefan Diggs, okay, Dalvin Cook's not out there. And then they're counting Kyle Rudolph mm -hmm. as like a weapons galore because he caught like a three-yard touchdown pass with one hand and then caught another touchdown pass with one hand that <laughs> was four yards. You don't think yards. he's a top 10 tight end in football? Probably not. Maybe mm. a top 10 run blocker that way, but I can't say he's top 10 right now. No. Yeah. Uh, but damn, I, I hate – I don't know. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> That's the only people you can crush. Damn it, I feel bad about crushing all, any of them. The kicker most likely to pull a parky. So who's going to go double doink in this uh, wild card first round of the playoffs or just not perform because I I'll tell you what, we, we don't often talk about kickers. You know, no. It seems like part of, the, part of the game we don't until they, they do something poor after the fact. But the, the fact of the matter is there are some of these teams going into the playoffs who – have some serious kicking questions, and we, we know how crucial the kicking game is. I mean, the Tennessee Titans have I, I mean, that's, questions that's here. That's to me where I would go. The Titans have had kicking issues all year. Greg Joseph now signed to replace yeah. Ryan Suckup. Right. I, I don't know. That 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 would scare me a little bit, okay? Um, I'm with the Vikings kicker. He's another guy that I would look at a little bit, and more just because I feel like the Vikings are cursed with kickers. Uh, yeah. What the hell is the name of the Vikings kicker? Damn it, it's blanking. I'm blanking on his name here. It's going to drive me crazy. i got to look it up here. Um, what the hell? Dan Bailey. Eh, Dan oh, Bailey's yeah, Dan not Bailey. Gonna, he's not going to choke. Much, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be fine. Um, I was looking. I was looking I'm going at Titans, though, all the way. Yeah, Titans seem the most likely there. Uh, the best kickers in football this year, I was looking this up on NFL Jesus. Hmm, wow. They have this thing called uh, I've never looked at that. field goal plus minus. So yeah. it's, they kind of right. they take how successful the kicker was and where they kicked and what percentage normally are made from there and did they exceed that or not. Right. A lot goes into it. Right. Number one in NFL was Josh Lambeau from the Jaguars. But number two, Justin Tucker. Okay. Number three, Will Lutz. Right. So that's, I mean, that just shows you that there's another weapon there for those teams that we Definitely. do know. We talk about it. Yeah. Will Lutz I know, but you're right. We don't Justin ever give it Tucker, the attention. But, but yeah, you look at the really good teams or the teams that have been in the playoffs because, like, the Patriots all these years have had Guskowski and Vinatieri. There's a reason. Yep. Yeah, because they make a lot of big kicks and big situations. Dan Bailey is fifth. Dan and Bailey is Mason fifth. Mason Crosby is sixth. Yeah. So those that's are all damn teams good. That, right. that can rely on, the, on their kicking game and probably will not pull a parky and do a double doink. Uh, final one for the speed round for the wild card first glance. 
most likely to have some crazy stuff happen in the game. Mm. Which which game is most likely to be like, wow, that is insane. We did not see that coming. That was not how we anticipated. I, I just I, I just feel that's going to be Seattle and Philadelphia, because I just think there's some areas of those teams that are just not adequate. Like they're not special. So that lends itself to stupid stuff. Or, and then, of course, the two quarterbacks, I think they can, you know, pull rabbits out of their ass. Yeah. So where they'll do some shit there uh, that I go, wow, that's unbelievable too. Titans-Patriots is uh, another that one, one. That one's interesting to be- me because what if, what if Derrick Henry goes for like 230 yes. and two touchdowns and Ryan Tannehill continues on this pace that he's been on? Right. And what if they go into Foxborough and blow him up? Well, and I also think of like, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's like – crazy uh, I, I you know I don't know if I say blow them out is that might be a little crazy but the other thing is I don't know if either, both of these two teams especially with the fact that there's such New England lineage in Tennessee too to go they're not going to be afraid to maybe to call trick plays a la like what Bill Belichick does usually this time of the year to give his team a little bit of an advantage in a certain drive or a certain situation whatever it may be so you certainly could see some crazy shit in that game too hmm. all right so that's our first glance at the wild card now let's do some news and notes. Yeah. Huh? Some news and notes out there. It's Black Friday. It's the it's the Friday that every coach fears. Yes. Black Friday on a Monday. Oh, Black Monday. Yes. Oh, my, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Black Friday. Black Monday is uh, is a different sort of thing. You're shopping. A lot of teams shopping for a head coach right now. That's where I was going with that. Um, so let's start with the Cowboys. Uh, the word is not official yet. It may be by the time you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast about Jason Garrett. Uh, Cowboys, though, likely to move on. From Jason Garrett, who's been there for a decade, past few years, Jerry Jones has gone against the the tide and and kept him around. A lot of people thought he would have been gone three, four years ago, and they've stuck with him. Didn't really pay off for the Cowboys. So, so your thoughts on the regime change that's coming most likely in Dallas? Well, I think it needs to be done. As much as I really like respect Jason Garrett, first of all, he's one of the, the best guys in football. I mean, he's a, like a true, normal human being. I do think he's a good coach. I don't think it's always easy coaching the Dallas Cowboys with the Jones family and doing that. But having said that, I do. I think it's run its course. And yeah, you know, there's just no excuse. Even if you, you know, just there's no excuse for the results they have. For them to be 8-8 eight and eight with that talented of a football team, I'm sorry. Uh, that has to fall back onto the coaching staff. You know, that there, there's just something there that doesn't make sense. Lack of identity, lack of situational football, awareness, whatever it may be. Lack of knowing when to go for it or when not to. I think all of those things have, you know, at some point or another come up this year with the Dallas Cowboys. Like you've heard me talk about with their defense, right. lack of creativity and game plan that way. You know, the offense at times, I just go... Not really sure what they're trying to do this yep. week, game plan-wise. Just calling plays, going, oh, we're good, and it'll just work. Just not the it way the game ch- works. They need a change. They need, a, just need, they need a, a refresh because the yes. talent does seem to be there. Mike Leslie, who's a, lo- a local anchor in yeah. Dallas, texter, tweeted out, I'm told the entire coaching staff has been fired. He followed that up is that we're told a member of the staff texted a person close to him and said, we're fired. The response was all of you, and that response to that was yes. Yeah. So it does seem I think it's a time for that. The whole staff has gone because there was some, there was some uh, idea that maybe they'd keep the coordinators around. Yeah. But here, here's what I think. And l- let me see if you're on the same page here. Mm-hmm. If you go this long and you're Jerry Jones sticking yeah. with the same guy right. and you haven't moved on, and so it's been 10 years with Jason Garrett, now you finally move on. You have to move on in a big way. You know, it's, it's not one of those situations where I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong here, 
that there's going to be a coordinator hired or, or I don't know, a, a smaller name that could grow into the job and be very successful. But I feel like if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you've waited this long to move on from Jason Garrett, when you finally make that decision to do it, it has to be something big. It yeah. has to be a huge name, personality, Urban Meyer. I don't know exactly what it is, yeah, right. but it seems like they have to and would want to hit it out of the park with this one. Well, I think you you said it. I mean, you just need a new energy in the building. So I understand them firing everybody. They just they need to get they don't need any like old hangarounds. Oh, this is the way we used to do it or whatever. They they don't want any of that. Obviously, there there needs to be a new message, you know. Uh, but will it be a big name? A new, or do you think they could go with a coordinator that no one really quite knows about yet, but could grow into the? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care if it's a big name. To me, it's just got to be somebody that's truly ready for the job and understands NFL coaching. I don't think a college coach is the right guy for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't. This team's in the Super Bowl window right now, this second. They're there. You know, if you go, if they coach a little different this year, they're they're you know, not in the situation they're in right now. So they need somebody. They can't do like a Lincoln Riley or I don't even think an Urban Meyer, as much as respect I have for him. That's a big transition from college football to the NFL. Sure. So I, I do. I think it's got to be just a true NFL guy that's ready for the job. I'm not necessarily saying it has to be a big star or like even an ex-head coach. You know, I don't. But I think it has to be a guy that – um, understands what it takes to be a head coach. Like, that's why I said today on the show earlier with PFT and everything, like Dan Campbell of the New Orleans Saints is a guy that makes a lot of sense to me. He really does. Yeah, he's not going to be like the offensive and defensive coordinator, but he's been around Bill Parcells and Sean Payton and, you know, some other coaching staffs. You know, when he did take over the Dolphins, they played tougher. There was no doubt about that. They ran the ball. There was kind of a mantra to their team. He can do that. A head coach doesn't always have to be like, oh, X's and O's, X's and O's, yeah. X's and O's. Although that is the trend right now. In the I, I know it is. I, I, I get it. But, the, you know, Bill Belichick was a special teams coach. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. I mean, I just get sick of that narrative all the time around. And, like, to, to, to that point even further, like, my dad would tell you this. Bill Parcells was not the X's and O's guys for the Patriots. I mean, for the Giants when he was coaching them. He wasn't in there. Belichick was doing the defense. Ron Earhart was doing the offense. But what my dad would always say is, like, he was amazing at coming in and going, oh, we need to attack this area, or we need to attack this guy, or we can't run that play against them. They'll expose us with, you know, blah, blah, blah up front or whatever it may be. He was great at pointing out overall direction. Mm -hmm. Hey, we should attack this guy, offensive coordinator. I don't know how you're going to do it, but just fucking come up with ways to do it, right? That's what a good head coach does. Then you manage personalities, situations, you know, do all the right things to get your team to be at its pinnacle when it comes Sunday. That's part of being a head coach. It's not always like, okay, you know, dance the west right slot, Z bingo. Like, it's not always about the plays. Uh, and I, I think sure. there is something to that. So, so the Giants then, same question with them. Yeah. So what kind of a coach? They've moved on from Pat Shermer, fired him. It does seem apparent they're keeping their GM, Dave Gettleman. Uh-huh which some reports out there that that has uh, made some head coach candidates out there a bit hesitant towards going towards the Giants. But maybe I, it's I not. think that's very true. I mean, that's what I've heard. I know people in the NFL that are scared to take that job, you know, just from what I've been told by, like, third parties where they're just, you know, hey, they like the Giants job or people would like the job, but they don't want it with Dave Gettleman or whatever it may be. So I'm interested to see where that situation goes. Shermer was definitely deserved to be fired. He was losing on the field. He was losing press conferences, too. I know we had this conversation during the year. Just not a good look. The Giant fans couldn't get behind Pat Shermer. He never endeared himself to the fans. And then when things went bad, he kind of just was surly right. and not that cool. So what do they need now? Um, 
So what what kind of a coach if you're if you're looking for a coach that that the fans can rally? Yeah, around? I mean my number one guy for the New York Giants would be a Josh McDaniels. It, it would be. You know, I just look at Josh McDaniels. There's a lot of resemblance between the Giants and the Patriots and how the organizations run, of course, because Bill came from there and he brought it to New England because mm. of the way he was taught. You and think he like could that. conform to the Giants' way from the Patriots' way? I do or? because I don't think their ways are all that different. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's professional football. It's all about football and what you do on the football field and everything like that. Also, the other thing, too, is Daniel Jones has a lot of similarities to a Tom Brady. You know, and if you want to succeed and have that the right way, you know, I think McDaniels would really understand how to bring along and get the best out of Daniel Jones and even Saquon Barkley. And not only Saquon Barkley running the ball-wise, but I think he would greatly improve Saquon Barkley into the backfield in the pass game too. That would be another thing. So uh, he's, he's the first guy that jumps out to me more than I know you've got, a, you've got a relationship with, with Josh and you've worked with him in the past. Yeah. And, I guess the question with him is how motivated is he to get that head coaching job right now? The end doesn't necessarily seem like it's imminent for no. Bill Belichick in New England, but right. you figure if it does come in the next few years that Josh McDaniel's is the logical choice to take over a really good franchise with a lot of tradition and history and support. That's a more appealing long-term future for sure. Josh McDaniels than maybe trying to resurrect this Giants franchise that's struggled the last I, I, I get you, but, you know, there's just only so many chances you get. And you're not – unless New England already gave him a contract saying, you're the next head coach in waiting True. and we've got you signed up. Yeah. Then, you know, it's just, there's just only 32 of these things. And you never know what happens. You know, oh, okay, yeah, you think you're going to wait around and wait for the next job or this job or maybe the Patriot job. And a few guys get hurt and all of a sudden your offense sucks and things are bad and all of a sudden you're not a candidate anymore. You know, it's just – that it can change in a hurry. Yep. As far as who loves you and who doesn't and what, everything like that. So uh, I think Josh realistically, you know, I don't know if Steven Belichick plays into that or if he just knows, hey, this whole New England regime, Brady's coming to an end. Belichick's maybe down to the last four or five years. It's time to move on. Maybe, maybe. it's just time yeah. to move on it's and go on to the new, next phase. It's not going to be the old era of I, I could see the Browns football. really being interested in him too. Okay. All right. Well, the, it looks like the Washington Redskins are – Already close to hiring their guy. May have already happened by the time you're listening to this. Ron Rivera fired this year from Carolina after nine seasons. Uh, Washington's also moving on from Bruce Allen after many, many years. And to much of the delight of the Washington fans there, he has been a, a lightning rod for criticism. So, so what do you think? Ron Rivera in Washington, a franchise that, that hasn't had success for, for many years, similar to the Giants here. Like it, love it, hate it, indifferent. Uh, I, I like it. I do. I think it's a, a good fit there. I mean, Ron Rivera, first off, his teams are always sound and tough. All right? That's the first thing I'll say. If I had any issue with Ron Rivera, maybe early on in his Carolina days, I felt like um, they weren't as creative offensively to utilize Cam Newton to the extent in which they should be. It was a lot of just pressure on, hey, Cam, you're talented and we need you to make a big throw on third down or now you need to make a great run for us and do all that. You know, he did get North Turner in there the last few years, and I think that greatly improved. So I, I hope he can get another good OC to be creative there. But I think the appeal of that job is the offense and defensive line is in pretty good shape there in Washington. That's the hard part of building a team. Hmm. So when you got that and a guy in Ron Rivera who – believes in being the big physical team on the football field. I understand him liking that. Also, 
he took the Carolina job. I mean, one of his first players on the team there was Cam Newton as a young quarterback. Dwayne Haskins there now, so he knows how to mold the young quarterback a little yeah, bit and do think, that. You think he's the, the quarterback of the future for Washington? I do. He's the answer? I do. Well, at the very least, he's going to be given that chance and nine lives to fail or succeed over yeah. the next two years before they move on. They're not going to give up on the 15th pick this year for sure. Uh, unless he just totally shit the bed in the 2020 season and, like, threw 30 interceptions and we're like, holy shit, it's horrible, he's going to have every chance in 2021 to succeed as well. Uh, nine years in Carolina. Yeah. Ron Rivera, I got, a, I got an early pop quiz question for you here. How many years did he have more than seven wins in the nine years he was at Carolina? That does include this year, which was cut short. Well, more than seven wins. I want to say he more only had three wins. years of a winning record, right? I, I want to say that. I believe I brought that to the attention of a lot of people on Pro Football Talk last or two weeks ago when it came out. And people were like, what? Um, I'm pretty sure. Are you there? You so, got it looked up yet? You're right. So he only had a winning record three, three seasons, times. right? And then he had seven wins. I'm going to say another two years on top of that. Three years on top of that. Oh, seven so, wins. So, so, all right. So, and they made the playoffs one year at what? Seven, eight, and one, right? In 2014, were they seven, eight, and one? Yeah, yeah seven, right. eight, and one. Won yeah. a playoff game and then went to Seattle and lost that lost game. Lost that one. Right. Yep. yep. So, yeah, I get it. The the overall look of that team is not as good maybe as we just first think with Ron Rivera, uh, but I do like the hire nonetheless. Respected head coach, though. Uh, and the, the one firing that I think a lot of people thought was inevitable going into the last week of the season, Freddie Kitchens, the Browns are moving on from him. And I don't know your thoughts on this, but I, I have a little bit of a problem with it. Not that he did a great job, which I don't think he did. Yeah. There's a lot of personalities on that team and left a lot to be desired. But if you're going to hire Freddie Kitchens in the first place, you have to give him more than one year because aren't you assuming that the first year is going to be rough with a, with a coach who's never been a head coach before? Now you throw him into the Cleveland Browns situation, which is more difficult. I would argue that Bill Belichick would have a hard time coaching them, at least in year number one. So I, I, it seems strange to fire him after year one because I thought yeah. if that was in the equation, you don't hire him to begin with. Yeah. You've got to give him some leash. I don't I, know what you think of I, oh, I, I think your thought is right like most of the time. Like the mistake wasn't made now by firing him. That yeah. was probably the right decision. Right. But it's like if you knew that was a possibility, then why give him the job a year ago? I know. Well, I think what scared them was that he went somewhere else and became had another great year as an OC and then became a head coach somewhere. And everybody in Cleveland going. I mean, that probably that might have actually right. happened. Right. That's, so that's, that's <laughs> basically that. the corner they were boxed into there. And I think their first pick of the draft, Baker Mayfield liked him and had a relationship. And they thought, okay, he did a pretty good job with the offense last year. Let's try to give it a go. But I think they were smart in making this move. And usually I'm all with what you're saying. Yeah. I really am. But I think we got to take in the whole, okay, one, he's kind of learning on the fly and admitted that. Two, a lot of personalities on the team, young. And I think ultimately there was talent on the team. They underperformed that way. And then they didn't conduct themselves the right way either. Sure. And nor did he. I mean, wearing that stupid fucking T-shirt to the movies and saying Pittsburgh started, started whatever, it. that's just yeah. stupid shit. I don't know what else to say. Sorry, hashtag stupid shit. That was what that is. I don't, there's no other way to say that. So you do that, but then, you know, Baker Mayfield spouting off at, a, at press conference, shouting matches with Jarvis Landry, people saying OBJ and Jarvis Landry telling people to come get me, Miles Garrett smashing a quarterback over the head with a helmet. You know, then the T-shirt, all that kind of stuff. It just, to me, I think that's ultimately what led the Browns to go, okay, we can't have an immature team 
and a coach who's kind of immature and like yeah. maturing in front of us as we go. Still think Freddie Kitchens, hopefully he can go back to the drawing board, blow it out of the water, kick some asses in OC, and then maybe a few years get another crack at this. I do think he's got it in him to be a successful head coach. I really do believe that. It's just hard sometimes when you're younger, it gets thrusted upon you, and all of a sudden it happens. And I don't think he was a guy that thought like it was anywhere on his radar that he was going to be a head coach some here, somewhere next in these next two or three years. And all of a sudden it was like, what, I'm up for the job? Sure, I'll take it. Yes, sure, okay, coach of the Cleveland Browns, great, 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 great. Sure. But I don't, you know, a lot of these coaches are preparing themselves. Like Kevin Stefanski, that's second year as an offensive coordinator. Both are kind of underwhelming, but he's, he's constantly putting his name and his agent's putting his name in the head coaching thing. So he's thinking about it. He's watching Mike Zimmer. I'm sure he's taking notes. I'm sure he's got a little folder of if I was a head coach and things like that. I don't think Freddie Kitchens ever got to that folder. I don't think he was, like, thinking that yet. And that's, to me, where it was wrong, and I think it was smart for them to move on. So they move on from, uh, from him, although the fact is that they did have some, uh, some interesting offensive numbers. So their skill players put up numbers, Nick Chubb and, and, Baller. and Odell and some uh, other receivers, too, on this team. And that leads us to our first pop quiz question. Oh, Are you pop ready? quiz question. Here we go. You said there'd be no quizzes. Oh, there is a pop quiz today. Okay, so I'm just mad still what? about underrated and overrated player. I just Why? feel like you, I you wanted more time. To I think feel about like that. I underdelivered. I feel like I underdelivered there. I just do. I just well, tweet yeah. out, tweet out some players. Okay, after that. all right, Go, good. This player's way yeah. overrated. Just tweet it out. That'll thanks, cause no thanks, controversy. Mr. Therapy for me. Thank you. So six teams. So here's a pop quiz. Ready? Yeah. Ready for it? Yep. Get get focused again here. Don't worry about what happened. What do they say? You gotta if, wipe if, it away. Wipe it away. Next right? play. Next play. Next play. Here we go. Thinking about the last play. You're gonna screw up. Another mistake. You're right. Next fight. Here we go. So six teams had two players with 1,000 receiving yards. How many of those teams can you name? Whoa, six teams? Six had teams it? had two players with 1,000 plus receiving yards. Can you name those teams? Holy shit. Okay, here we go. Let me pull up the pull teams. Up the teams. Pull up the teams. Pull up the teams as I like to do. Okay, first of all, don't pull up the statistics. I promise you I won't. You're watching my computer. I, I don't know any of these. I promise you I haven't. You don't. Looked. I don't like to cheat. So, all right. So the Buccaneers. They're one of them, right? They are. They had Godwin, Godwin and Evans. Godwin and Evans. That's right. That's one. The Carolina Panthers. That's right. That's McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Correct. Thought you were going to sneak that shit by me, didn't correct. you? Correct. Didn't you? You thought you were going to sneak that, that was, shit that by was me. possible. Um, ooh, man, this is where I'm like already choking to death here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If you on. get one wrong, you've gotten this whole one wrong. So you only get one strike. So be very careful. I know. I'm going here. to be very careful. Green Bay doesn't have that. New Orleans? No. They don't have anybody but Michael Thomas. Okay, Seattle, Minnesota, no. Thielen didn't get to 1,000 yards. Damn. Got two so far. The Rams? The Rams are another one. Woo! You're right. Or Woods Cooper and Cooper Cup. Cup. Okay, yeah, okay, both. okay. There we go, there you we go. got half, and I will tell you the teams that you've dismissed, you were right to dismiss so far. I was right to dismiss So the that. ones you've said that said that you were correct on those. Right. Not have two 1,000-yard receivers. Did the Cleveland get to 1,000? Cleveland did. They you got, got there. Odell got there yesterday? That's what I'm saying about Freddie Kitchens. You yeah. got two receivers. You got Odell. Yeah. You got Landry. And right. you have Nick Chubb, who outside of a great game from Derrick Henry, would've he would have like, been the rushing right. champion right. of the year. So yeah. They did. You're right. Freddie Kitchens is going to get an OC job. He's going to so get an OC job. He deserves it. He does deserve that. Okay. Two I, more teams. Two more teams. Okay, 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 okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. One team in the NFC, one team in the AFC. Atlanta? Oh, X. Uh, I thought maybe Calvin Ridley got there. I wasn't he sure. Did not. He San did not. Diego, 
with Williams and, and Keenan Allen. You mean Los Angeles. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing that forever. Although, we'll go back to San Diego. And I'll just eventually. Keep, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it San Diego, and they'll eventually You'll go You'll be ahead of the curve. And so I'll be fine. And then uh, and then Dallas. Dallas did. Yep, Dallas made it there. Gallup got it? Gallup got it. Got it. Did he get it yesterday? Uh, I don't know what he ended up with. I mean, it's probably, it seemed like he had a thousand just uh, in the second half yesterday. It did, it did. All right. All right, that's, that's, so that's it. Damn. Yeah, those are the six teams. That's, uh, yep, Amari Cooper. And let me just see where Gallup is here. Yeah, Gallup had an 1,100, 1,107 yards. Damn, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, the Ravens offense, question number two. Yeah. The Ravens offense was number one in yards per rushing play. Yards Number one in yards per play or rushing play? Yards per play per rush. It says yards just per yards per play. Can you read? Are you per sure? Yards per play, yes. Per rush. Per yes. rush? They were actually second in uh, or third total. Total yards per play. Total yards. All right. Yeah. So This one's more about rushing yards. So this one's more about rushing yards, yep. supposedly. Rushing yards per play. They were first. I'm looking at it right now. Yep. Okay, cool. They averaged 5.5 yards per rushing play, of course, thanks to Lamar. I'm going to go with the 49ers. So who was number two? You say the 49ers? Yeah. They were not. They were ninth. Damn. Rushing okay. yards. And I like going by rushing yards like per play. Yes, right. Because if you, I mean, the 49ers rushing yards per game, they're number two. But right. they run the ball more than anyone else. They do. They run it very effectively, and it's yeah. a good strategy for them. But I was more interested in seeing per rushing play, who, who averages the most yards. Are they in the playoffs? This team is not in they're the playoffs. They're not in the playoffs. Okay, that, this is like 20 questions. I like that. Well, that's a good that's a good one there. Okay, because normally you think, okay, a team that runs the ball really effectively, and number three is in the playoffs. That's the Tennessee Titans. That seems to make a lot of sense. Cleveland was four. Cleveland was four. Cleveland was four. Dallas was five. Oakland? It was not Oakland. Yeah. They're they're far down the list. You want me to give it to yeah, you? Yeah, give it to me. It was the Arizona Cardinals. Wow, yards per play. 5.03. Damn, I should have thought that. With Kenyon Drake and then, of course, with a running quarterback, that really inflates that stat because when he scrambles and runs, it's usually a big run when you scramble and run and you have Kyler Murray with a rocket up his ass. Yep. That makes sense. So I think we got to give Cliff uh, Klings, uh, Klingsbury. 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 Kingsbury. We got to give Cliff Kingsbury some credit, though. Yeah. Because we didn't know that he would necessarily be able to do this. He talked to the game in the offseason. Right. He said, okay, I'm going to do stuff right. that the NFL hasn't seen before. And they produced, at least on a per play basis. They, they uh, definitely the do that. Hold on. I got to look at their stats now that you've brought this up, too. I just got to look. But yeah, I mean, it is. It's Total yards per game, they were 21st in the NFL. But it's that yard. It's, it's going to be, it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to Kyler Murray and the scrambles. That's what it is. And he's 5.8 yards per carry. So. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a good trick question. Yeah, okay, number three. Yep. Which non-playoff team was number two in interception rate and number one in sack rate? So this this team did not make the playoffs. Okay, this is easy for me, elite. though. I'm going to say Pittsburgh. That is Pittsburgh. Yeah. You're right. Pittsburgh was, I mean, the sack outputage was phenomenal. They don't blitz a lot. And then they create chaos and cause turnovers. And, uh, yeah, I, that, that one I was all over. Which means if uh, Big Ben had not gotten hurt, that team's easily in the playoffs, you think? Uh, pro yes, I do, I, without a doubt. Yes, I mean, as you saw, they're just their offense was handicapped the last few weeks. They can't do anything. It's, it's really hard to win football games the way they were doing it. How long, How long was Le'Veon Bell's longest rush of the season? And I'll give you plus or minus three. So, okay. So give me a number, and I'll give you three, either more or less than that, uh, if you're if you're I in know the it's like, 
Longest rush it's, of the season. It's like dancing around 20. And I think it's actually a little less than that. I'm going to go with 18. <laughs> the correct answer is 19. <laughs> you yes. are exactly right. 19. It's crazy. The longest rush of the year yeah. for Le'Veon Bell. And then, uh, to add uh, insult to uh, poor numbers, did you hear today Adam I Gates did. what he said about Le'Veon Bell? Right. He was asked about it in a press conference. Ask Joe Douglas. Do you, hope, do you hope that he's back? Yeah. He said, it's not my call, yep. ask Joe. You can ask Joe about it. Yeah. Um, He's got a three-year contract, he said, so apparently he, you know, contractually will be back, but. Yeah. But he, Nobody's going to take over ringing, that contract. He's got guaranteed money. No, it's not. But, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, all right, first off, he missed a year of football. I don't care who you are, that's tough, especially as a running back. Number two, he does need to improve his straight-ahead speed. Okay, he really does. Like, that would be if I was out there, because I really like Le'Veon Bell, and I've been around him as a person, too. I'm a fan of the person and the player. Yeah. All right, first off, too, I bet you, like, in his really good years in Pittsburgh, I would bet, I would, I mean, I don't think he's had a guy that's had, like, 60-yard runs and 70-yard runs. That's not what he is. Sure. This is a big man. I mean, this is a guy at Michigan State that was 250 pounds. Let's not forget. Now he's like starving himself to be 235. That's what he's doing, okay? <laughs> yeah. So that's never been his game. It's quickness and power. That's what it is. His last year in Pittsburgh, yeah. 2017, his longest rush right. was 27 years. There you go. See, so it's nothing crazy, and I can understand that. Yeah, having Antonio Brown and other weapons and spreading the field, and then you're running up there, it's worth more, nine more or eight more yards up the middle as compared <laughs> to the Jets. Yeah. The Jets – the Jets, hey, Sam Darnold getting hurt, their offensive line not being great, and Adam Gase has got to continue to grow with how he uses Le'Veon Bell. They're not going to get rid of Le'Veon Bell. Nobody's going to trade for Le'Veon Bell and give him, what is it, I think 13-something million dollars 13, that he's guaranteed yeah. for next year. It's not going to happen. So they need to just, you know, bite their lip there, bin and gr you know, grin and bear it, and go forward with them. The greatness of Le'Veon Bell is the fact that when you put him in the slot, he's like a slot receiver – he, and like I said, he can make a whole lot of one-yard runs into six-yard runs, a whole lot of negative two-yard runs into three-yard runs, and a whole lot of one- and two-yard runs into eight- and nine-yard runs. That's the greatness of Le'Veon Bell. And if you don't feed him the rock, his greatness can't really come to the top because that was the one thing. I, I, like, when I saw him in person, he's much more – big and physical than you expect watching on TV. You know, we see all the yeah. moves and, the, uh, 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 and moving and doing all the ankle break moves. Sure. He can lower his shoulder to where if you're a safety or a linebacker, it becomes the fourth quarter and you go, this is the 30-something time I've had to tackle this That's guy not in the run game happen. and pass That's game. not going to happen with Adam Gase, though, is it? I, it? It's scary. I wish he could find a way. I think he can do that. I do. You I think he wants to do that? I though? don't know if he does either. I don't know. I don't know if he wants to be that guy. But either way, they didn't get their money's worth at a Le'Veon Bell in the pass game, too. And that is, I know, where Adam yeah. Gase can use him more. Final pop quiz. Oh. You've done pretty well so far. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, which Tampa franchise has more 30-30 guys, the Rays <laughs> or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? So 30-30 in baseball is what, steals and homers? Correct. 30 steals, 30 homers, and 30-30 in football is a quarterback who throws. It's the old new Jameis Winston record. <laughs> 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. It's amazing that he did that in overtime. On what the did first I read play. on Twitter? I, was like, I, I read somewhere on Twitter that someone said, in fantasy football, what you should have done, daily fantasy, is pick – Jameis Winston every week, and then pick the defense that he's going against. It really would have paid off. It would have paid off. You're right. That's amazing, actually. You get actually. a bunch of touchdowns. You get 400 yards and three touchdowns. Either and way. Three interceptions. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
All right, so I know you. Me? You're a real slick, trickety trickster. Yep. I don't think anybody in Tampa, his, Tampa Bay Rays history, because I am a frequent go. I used to go to the Rays games a lot. That's right. Yeah. So, like Evan Longoria is the only guy I would say maybe was close to that, but I don't think he got the 30 steals anyway. So nobody in Rays history. The Bucks have more. You are correct. I the, knew the, you. The Tampa I knew Bay you. Buccaneers have more 30-30 guys yep. than than Jameis Winston, and it's it's sad to see. Although Jameis Winston's probably the most entertaining, one of the most entertaining football players. I, I would put him top five right now. Oh, and did you see what Bruce Arians said about about him too? This what? one yesterday, you mean? When uh, it, like it didn't help, like when people uh, were asking. About I, next I think year? this was today. Okay, what do you say? Arians about on Winston when when asked was, could they win with another quarterback? Yeah. Besides Jameis. Right. He goes with another quarterback. Oh yeah. If we can win with this one, we can definitely win with another one, too. Wow. Ouch, right? Damn. That's, that's, a, that's a harsh comment. That's super harsh. Yeah, it is. That's a, that's a below-the-belt shot that is, there. I, yeah, I don't like that. I, I don't like it either. Um, and, you know, this is what I'll say to defend Jameis Winston a little bit against Bruce Arians. First off, hey, let's see. Who else is out there that's going to be better than Jameis Winston to get? I mean, what do they want? They want to bring Teddy Bridgewater in? Do they want to bring Andy Dalton in? Okay, yeah, you'll get it. You're not going to get as like many big plays and explosive offense with those guys, but you will get something that takes care of the ball and Tyrod does that more. Taylor. Yeah, maybe Tyrod Taylor. Again, that's exactly what you're, you're going to get a whole lot of games. You better be able to win 17-14 if you got those guys at quarterback. Let me just say that because there's going to be yards left all over the field. Those three, as Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater, are abusers of leaving yards on the field. So I get that. But what I want to say to defend Jameis Winston a little bit is, you know, Bruce Arians, you're allowed to, like, change the offense a little, too. It doesn't always have to be, like, 40-yard throws down the field. You're allowed to manage the quarterback to a degree, too. It's always in the pocket, deep throws down the field, be aggressive. You know, what's his phrasing? If, you know, no, no, don't risk it, no biscuit. I mean, yeah. okay, well, he risked it a lot. And he got some biscuits, and then some other times other people ate his fucking biscuit. I don't know right. what to say. Yeah. So, you know, to me – I think they stick with Jameis. I do. I think they'll get a, like a, some sort of contract. I think he's probably saying some of this stuff to drive, to drive his down value. his price. I no, do. No. Definitely do. This is, this is what happens. This is the NFL. I'll give you a story. In 2015, somebody that's very close to me had just been hanging around the Broncos, right? And they, you know, a guy comes to me. He's like, hey. You know, DeMarcus Ware is playing better than Von Miller. I was just with the Broncos all week. They were, they were telling me that DeMarcus Ware is playing better. And I was like, dude, no, he's not, okay? Like, fucking let's sit down and watch film. Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware is real good, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he's not good Von Miller. I just said, did it ever occur to you that, like, they know you're on TV and Von Miller's contract year is up? Like, did it ever occur to you? And they were like, oh, yeah. Yep, that's a good point. <laughs> and because that's what NFL sure. coaches will do. They will shovel propaganda bullshit down your throat to drive the price down or make you think they don't like that player in a contract year. All right, real quick. Real quick. Uh, let me look at teams that I think Jameis could go to mm -hmm. and could actually help. Yeah. Um, Dolphins is interesting. Okay. Uh, They're going to be looking for somebody, I think, though, more to be build the franchise around with this new staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is the, this is the thing. Who else is going to want Jameis, right, to really drive up the price on Tampa Bay? To me, the play for Tampa Bay is to get Jameis and then bring in somebody somewhat established. 
Hmm. If you wanted to bring in an Andy Dalton, right? Ooh. Right? Yeah. Where you just go, okay, Jameis Winston's full Tropic Thunder for the first month. of We can't take it anymore. He's thrown, you know, 12 interceptions in the month of September. We got to bench him or we're going to lose our jobs and all get fired. That's why you have an Andy Dalton there. Maybe okay. that's what you do, that kind of thing. And you can sign Jameis Winston maybe to a 18 $20 million a year type contract right now because I don't think there's going to be a lot of suitors for him to be a starting quarterback. Nope. Like you're saying, tell me who. There's nobody else. You haven't come yeah, up with no, another I am, team because you, you started talking and yeah. I didn't want to interrupt Sure, you. sure, fine. Uh, here's my favorite yeah. potential landing spot for Jameis, the Oakland Raiders. Get him with, get him with Gruden. I, I mean, that would go. I mean, Gruden would love Former number things. one overall pick. Gruden yes. would think that he could make him. He's got the talent. He does He's have the talent. He's got the ability. We know that. We do know that. I don't think they're in love with Derek Carr. I don't think so either. not play another game for I don't think so either. I don't know if that's John's cup of tea, though. I think he might be a little too a bunch of a gunslinger for John. Mm. Okay, you've named one and a half teams so far. Chicago Bears. Okay. Actually, I don't think that's actually not a bad thought. If I'm the Chicago Bears, I might bring in Jameis Winston. For the exact same reason we say we bring somebody in behind Jameis Winston, I go – Okay, Mitchell Trubisky's sucking in September. We need somebody to come in and start making plays for our offense. Maybe that's the type of team that does negotiate for him to be like a really high-level backup quarterback, something like that. But ultimately, I think he's going to be back in Tampa. Last one. All right. The San Diego Los Angeles Chargers. Th- that That's not going to, like... Philip Rivers is... Done. Perhaps, he's done. done. You think he's done. He's done. definitely done. Done. It's over. It's, there, it's over. I've, I know yeah. enough people to know that... There was a lot of talk about wanting to bench him out there during this year, and they've had enough of him. So he's he will not be there. I can promise you that. That's so you can write it in stone. So it'll be Jameis. Well, the only thing I'd say there is like the Chargers need to do something to excite their fan base. Jameis will do that. Well, you're, you're <laughs> right. He will. He's going to excite the other team's fan base when they're there too. I don't know if that's going to be the kind of guy they want. Okay. So we'll see. All right. All right, you done with your quiz put, questions? I'm putting them on Oakland. I'm putting them on Oakland. You're putting them on right Oakland? Right in stone. That's my prediction for going 2020. Going to Vegas. They're rolling the dice He's on Jameis in Vegas. Perfect guy. Vegas, baby. Vegas. We'll just roll the dice. Maybe we'll hit hit that 2-1. Uh, exactly. That's right. exactly what you do Or lucky Vegas, seven. Right? Lucky you seven. Go, I know the house has the odds here, right? Right. With Jameis. You go, I know that it's likely to not work out. But if it does, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Perfect guy for Vegas. All right, we're done. I've talked enough today. You have talked a lot. You're the man. Well done. Always good seeing you, hanging out. Way to go. I hope your red hands gets less swollen. Uh, all right, everybody. It's a weird week. We got Happy New Year, okay? Happy New Year, first off, to everybody. Wednesday, we will not be doing our normal podcast. Thursday, stay tuned. PFTPM, Chris Sims Unbuttoned Picks podcast, collaboration with Mike Florio. And uh, that'll be it. Keep sending in questions via Instagram or Twitter, either way. I know we're talking about having another, you know, uh, ask me anything type of Ooh. conversation for the playoffs. We're always good. And we're going to start deep diving some of these games in the playoffs. But Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Enjoy. You do anything fun? No. No, absolutely. He's dad. boring. That's it. That's I'm all boring. I can say. I'm Chris. I'm the cool one. Ahmed's the boring <laughs> one. Peace out, everybody. See you in 2020. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.